You're listening to the What's Happening with Stage Lighting podcast with David Henry. He'll be giving you tips, tricks, ideas, news on new gear, and most importantly, help you make great lighting. Welcome to episode 2002 of What's Happening in Stage Lighting with David Henry and Crystal Lee. In this episode, I'll be talking all wireless DMX. What frequency range should you be in? Is it reliable? What is the cost of a wireless system? And the main question, do you need it? Let's find out. And welcome to the show. You know, we should have, Crystal's going to be the host now, um, because I'm no good at making shows happen. So what are we talking about today, Crystal? What's up, everybody? This is Crystal. So today we're going to talk about wireless DMX. This is a technology that has made really great strides in, I would say, the last five years, and uh, has come a long way, and we're starting to see interest in it more than more than we used to. And we're also seeing more quality products come from manufacturers. It used to be there was one or two products in the game and there was a lot of bad ones. Um, Now we're seeing that shift. There's still a lot of bad ones, but we're seeing that shift sort of change now. So we're going to be talking about wireless DMX. So to start us off, David, what is wireless DMX and kind of what are the components of a wireless DMX system? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to wireless DMX, to simplify it to its very simplest thing, it's a DMX cable, but it's wireless, right? So it's just like connecting your computer to the internet or something. You know, you used to plug that thing into the phone or what what have you, and, you know, now it's wireless, right? How does it, how does it get wireless? Well, you know, just like the old computer, um, you know, the... Some fixtures have wireless built into them. Okay, we'll talk about that in a moment. In a moment, because that's there's some key things to be paying attention to there. So some have wireless built in. Um, others, you will just use a wireless uh, transmitter and receiver. Uh, sometimes they're both what are called transceivers, which means they can do either or both. Um, and you'll put the transmitter by, oftentimes by your console, but sometimes um, not right next to your console. And then you'll put a receiver somewhere else. And as long as they're within range of each other uh, with whatever signal strength they have, then you're going to be good. Um, and, and whatever signal strength they have, depending on the product and the price, could be hundreds of feet. It could be miles. Okay, it just kind of depends. So you said a couple of words here. You said transceiver, which transmits the signal out. Yeah, transceiver meaning that it's a transmitter or receiver. Yeah. So transponder is another, is it transponder they're calling it? Oh, no. What was the other? They came up with transceiver, which can be both. Transmitter was the original? Yeah, transmitter and receiver. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's where I was I was getting. So we. So sometimes you'll see transmitter and receiver. Now, recently, you've started to see transceiver and receiver. And the transceiver can be either the transmitter or the receiver. So those are your those are your main comments. 
components. Yeah, from what I understand, like for the most part, uh, you know, most of the companies are going to everything being transceivers. It's just some models like the Chauvet DeFi uh, XLR ones that we like, where they have an actual, they just have a single XLR plug on them. So depending on which way that's gendered, they're, it's either outputting or inputting, and it doesn't really go the other way. Um, even though on a technological level down to the circuit board, it probably could. They just, for simplicity's sake, don't have it do that. And how many receivers can each transceiver listen to? Well, um, most of the wireless systems out there today, um, pretty much all of them are broadcasting or, or multicasting, which have differences to them. We're not going to get into that right now, where essentially you really don't have a limit on number of receivers uh, per transmitter. Like, you just don't. Um, the transmitter sends out it broadcast, and the, the analogy we use is like a radio. You know, you've got a radio station. There's one broadcaster who sends out that station, and then there's not really a limit to receivers um, because they're just listening to something that's being shot out in their general direction. And this is a big question, and this is something that has changed over the course of wireless's life as a product. Is it reliable? It used to not be. Yes. A few years ago, I think I read something from Richard Kadena. He is the best, and I know he listens. Um, hopefully he listens since we're back again. Hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. Um, and he's a brilliant teacher in this, in this space in professional lighting. And he said, um, we're at the point where... A wireless technology, as long as you have a little bit of control over your environment um, and you have somebody paying attention, you know, basically you can do wireless DMX reliably. Um, you can. And uh, a lot of the modern wireless systems also kind of help you out on that as well. Um, and so it, it absolutely can be uh, reliable. So let's talk about some some use cases, because a lot of people wonder you know, when, when can, when do you use wireless? When do you put that technology into place? Is it just to eliminate cables? Is that the real reason? Or are there other more stronger use case reasons? And then when should you avoid wireless? Yeah, absolutely. So wireless is a great tool. Um, you know, when it comes to DMX and wireless, it's often a convenience thing for sure. Um, it's more convenient in many spaces, whether that's because of uh, not having the ability to run cables to something, maybe it's in the middle of a room, uh, maybe it's just not easy to run cables there or not cost effective. Um, I remember years ago, like I did this giant corporate party for Subway. It was, it was, they were having a giant general session and then we were just brought in to do the party lighting and they had all their regular lighting in there. But, um, and so we had a bunch of trust towers all over this ballroom. And this was before, well, my boss didn't trust wireless DMX, so we weren't going to do it. Um, and, I mean, we had to run power to all the stuff anyways. Um, but, you know, there was a substantial cost in paying the rigging department at the Opryland Hotel, which are great guys, um, but it's run by the in-house AV, so that what they charge is pretty substantial. Um, and there was a substantial amount of the bill that went into them running our DMX and power cables through the ceiling. And if we hadn't done DMX through the ceiling, we maybe could have gotten some power from the floor, um, could have gone wireless. So convenience is, is a big one. Like you have something with lights on it that you want to shove out in the middle of wherever you are 
And there's not an easy way to run cable that's not ugly or a tripping hazard or weird, you know? So convenience is part of it. Um, of course, there's the ability to move around. Like, we all watch the Super Bowl. I, I heard it's this week. Um, I'm, I'm terrible with sports. <laughs> I was like, my the, the bad joke was, um, and this actually happened. My wife was talking about it. She's like, you know, I know you don't really care about the game, and, and you care more about the commercials and the halftime show. And I was like, yes. And then I was like, well, who's playing? And she's like, the Eagles. And I'm like, Really? They picked the Eagles for the halftime show. Like I was a hundred percent serious um, because I did not realize. Oh that. boy. <laughs> so anywho, um, um, but you see things like this and there are wireless, there are lighting devices that, you know, move around on stage and whatnot. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's a, Hey, we're going to push this out there and use it. Like we have people doing like marching band things or like, um, we had a guy this past weekend actually at the trade show we were at. Um, it was a Christmas light trade show, but he was actually a pyro guy and he's going to do foggers and maybe some, some basic moving lights up on trust towers and do them for sports entries where you don't get to preset much. You know, they'll push them out there, the, then the lights will go down, the team will run out, things will go flash, 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 and then they'll tear it down. They, they don't have time to run cables. Um, and so those can be great opportunities to use wireless. Um, I would say the time we get people that come to us a lot being like, hey, we're installing this in a church, we're installing this in a venue, a school, wherever. We want to do wireless just because it's easier. And I just don't feel great about that because... Ultimately, when you're in a fixed building, um, the wireless landscape over the, the time of years is always changing, right? Networks change. They might update all the access points in the network. There might be something new broadcasting some sort of high power nearby. And that installation may go three, four, five years down the road and all of a sudden not work or get flashing interference or something like that. And if it's permanent then just take the time to run the cable. Like that's always kind of been our philosophy because ultimately it may cost a couple dollars more and sure in labor, it's going to be more, but a cable always works unless, you know, somebody like kills it, <laughs> you know, if they run over it with a forklift, but as long as you install the cable, well, like decently, you know, it's going to work for, you know, 20, 30, at least years. Um, and, and so you can't go wrong with the cable in that circumstance. Um, but when time, convenience, um, the ability to move around, you know, any of those options in wireless can be a great option. You know, one night gigs where you got to push a bunch of stuff out fast. Hey, you know, wireless can be a great option. Yeah. So there definitely is specific use cases. It's 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 not going to be the answer for everybody. No. And I think it should be noted. You know, a lot of these fixtures today, um, you know, not the, the lower level, but kind of mid-level, uh, I would say mid-level fixtures, will often have wireless built into them. Uh, you know, ADJ ones, Chave ones, Elation. Um, like when you get to the top of the line, you know, they're like, hey, most people are going to wire this thing because it's big professional type shows. But stuff that kind of sits in the middle of these companies' product ranges uh, often will have the wireless built in. Ooh. And so then it's like, okay, if you're like, a wedding and party band or you're a DJ or you're just doing a quick setup for a one night show. If you already had your wireless transmitter and your receivers are built into your fixtures and they're all set up from the last gig, then you could just roll in, plug them into power and go. And that's an awesome convenience move uh, for the win there. Um, that does bring up a point though, that 
Uh, every brand has a wireless system, right? Every brand has a different wireless system. Um, it can be a little ambiguous whether they will work together from different brands. Essentially, the way I understand it, and you can tell me, Crystal, if you understand it any different, there are two companies that build the wireless chips that go in pretty much all the wireless brands. Like the really cheap stuff is probably just a clone of one of these two companies. I'm not sure. Um, like the Donner stuff on Amazon and stuff. Um, but, but basically you have, what is it? WDMX from wireless solutions and Lumen radio. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. And I think they're the only two manufacturers that make the little microchips that make things wireless, basically. So if somebody's selling a wireless transmitter, if there's a brand selling that, if they're selling a receiver, a lot of times it'll be, oh, the ADJ Y-Fly or the Elation E-Fly or the Magnetic M-Fly. That's their all three product lines. They're all compatible with each other. But you'll find that, um, and, and oftentimes if you know somebody with the manufacturer who's good, you can ask them, hey, do you know which one this is? And they can typically tell you. And then you'll be like, oh, then this one is, is you know, there's a 90% chance it's going to be compatible with these other brands that get their chip from the same place. Because, again, there's only like two of them out there. And those two are the industry standard um, and have worked really hard to become trusted in this space. Because when, as we mentioned, the technology first came out, Nobody was really satisfied with the uh, the failure rate. It was very high failure rate. Um, and it's only gotten more challenging as we get more uh, people with cell phones. You know, the, the space is getting smaller as far as frequencies and all that. Um, so here are two sentences that I often hear as far as cost of systems. So you hear, you can, you can choose cheap or you can choose good, pick one. And then you hear cheap wireless can't be trusted and good wireless is very expensive. So let's talk about costs and kind of where, you know, should people automatically assume they're not gonna be able to afford wireless, so let's not even look at it as an option. Or are there products out there that are more affordable for, you know, those looking to kind of get into it and try it out. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think the nail on the head with cheap is one, how cheap. Uh, because some people's definition of cheap might be anything less than top of the line. And with wireless, I mean, it really depends how congested your environment is and how far you're going. Um, to give you an example, I mean, we've got lots of customers who have gone with the Chave DeFi stuff. I've been using that for years. Or, like, uh, from Gamma, we have these Econ PARs. Uh, you saw that last week at the trade show. It's a wireless battery-powered PAR. It has a wireless DMX receiver built in, and they give you a transmitter with the package. It's kind of a generic no-name transmitter. But, you know, I've got friends that run a production company here in town, and they have 24 of those PARs, I think, and they love the wireless DMX on those things. And they say, generally, you know, most of the time, unless they're, they're not trying to cover huge areas, you know, just a ballroom or, you know, a outdoor space that's not like miles wide, you know, we're talking hundreds of feet here. Um, they typically have great success with that system running wireless. Um, same with like the Chave DeFi or the ADJ Wi-Fi. Um, you know, we often choose ADJ type equipment for, for stuff. We like them a lot. 
Um, the Chauvet system I like because you can go up to the top of the frequency range of, of 2.4 gigahertz where Wi-Fi is, and you can actually get into a little bit of space where Wi-Fi doesn't transmit as strongly. Uh, up there, it's channel 14 or 13 for those uh, listening at home. And, and those channels tend to be really reliable for people. Um, so I wouldn't say that um, cheap wireless can't be trusted. I'd say that we talk to a lot of people and see uh, from folks that we talk to that, you know, if you go to Amazon and buy the cheap Donner wireless dongles, they'll probably work at short distances, but you may have issues. There, There's an expectation there when you're getting something that inexpensive that you need to go, okay, if it lags from time to time, if it drops out occasionally or you get a weird flash or something like that may happen with the cheapest of the cheap stuff. Um, you know, ultimately, you can't fully control your wireless environment. And if you're in Times Square, New York, then, you know, you need to, it's not just going to work, right? <laughs> it's, um, and so I wouldn't say cheap wireless can't be trusted, though, because, you know, in our experience and, and what we see out there, is the cheaper wireless, you know, the DJ grade stuff from ADJ or Chauvet or any of these other brands these days is really good for a lot of small to mid-sized venues as long as you can find an open wireless channel. Yeah, and uh, those those sentences were plucked right off of a conversation on a lighting uh, Facebook group. So these are real these are real concerns that we're talking about here in real and real opinions. Um, now in the famous words of REM, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Oh, I, know. Let's talk. I, just, I saw let's, that name and it, it made me think of something else. <laughs> let's talk about, uh, what's a megahertz. Um, 2.4 megahertz is a common <laughs> frequency. I mean, yeah. And versus 900, what does it, why does it matter? And uh, do you need to analyze this space like you do, like for microphones and things before you make these decisions? Uh, or how can you use um, that kind of resource to, to try to test and figure it out before the day of your opening? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, megahertz, I mean, your, your radio uh, basically picks up in megahertz. Um, it's the radio frequencies. It's the range of sound. I believe we're not sound people <laughs> that is outside of the hearing range, uh, that all these radio waves shoot around on and give us cancer. No, not really. I don't know. They might, <laughs> um, they, you know, we don't know. <laughs> um, so I say that somewhat tongue in cheek. Um, and so in the U S uh, which is primarily who we talk to. And I mean, we, I know there's people all over the world here, but we don't know squat about the wireless in your country. Um, but in the U S who probably I'm going to guess kind of sets the, sets the stage for a lot of other country standards. There are basically three open bands of wireless that typical wireless DMX is going to operate in. The first is 2.4 gigahertz. Okay. Uh, yes, that's where your typical Wi-Fi stuff is. Now, Wi-Fi, as you've probably seen, you could read articles, you know, a few years ago, more and more of it started moving to 5.6 gigahertz because you can send faster speeds there. Wireless DMX can also do 5.6. Um, the big gotcha with 2.4 
is there's only really 12 separate frequencies. And each of those 12 frequencies, um, your typical Wi-Fi router has what's called a 20 megahertz bandwidth, meaning that it kind of crosses over to the two beside it. So really, if you set it to one frequency, it actually covers three. Um, not at full strength, but there, there's enough there. It's, it's kind of a bell curve. Um, and so... Uh, most Wi-Fi people go, oh, if you're in 2.4 gigahertz, keep each different Wi-Fi source in your building or in your area, if you have multiple networks or what have you, or multiple access points, keep those at, generally um, at at channel 1, is it 1, 4, and 7, or something like that. Anywho, not, not my department. Um, but what you can do is if you're in 2.4 gigahertz, which is where, you know, all of the less expensive stuff is most of the, the, most of the, the stuff is these days that, that people are going for, um, you know, if you're looking in that space, grab an Android phone. Cause I think Apple blocks third-party developers from using their wireless. That's why I say that. Um, and also I'm not really a big Apple fan. <laughs> so grab an Android and download a Wi-Fi analyzer app. You'll be able to see, there's just free ones, a 2.4 gigahertz and 5.4 gigahertz spectrum, and you can see what's going on in your area. So you'll see all these network names. If you put it right next to your wireless DMX that's transmitting, you'll see a big spike with something that it doesn't know what it is, you know, but it's there. Um, and and so that brings us to the five the 5.6 gigahertz. Um, that range has 36 channels instead of 12. So there's often more space there. It's just the wireless DMX gear in that space tends to be more costly. Um, as you go up in frequency, so high, higher frequency, such as 5.6 gigahertz, yes, gigahertz, that's the right word, David, um, your distance that you can transmit gets shorter. Okay, so your speed gets faster that they can send, not really that applicable for wireless DMX, the amount of data that's not necessary. Um, you don't need to send more data really. Um, but the speed, the speed you up at the range can go down. Um, in the professional market, there are also 900 megahertz systems. Um, typically you run into cordless phones in this range, some other utilitarian devices. It's often very open and it also goes long distances well, but it's probably the most expensive of the three systems. So how's that for quick, my research? Yeah. That's, it's a good little, uh, uh, for the dummies version there quick uh quick highlights in my research today so i'd always heard ism 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 frequencies and i never really looked up what that meant so today i looked it up oh yes and just just to let everybody know that it stands for if you're a geek like me and you're and you always want to know what's in the parentheses it stands for industrial scientific and medical yes so those are these all these frequencies that we're talking about are unlicensed. That's the big obviously part. Yeah. planes and airports and the FCC and all those really heavy duty rate radio frequencies. And the cell those providers are they pay and, big money for their frequencies. And the cell providers, <laughs> yeah. So those are all licensed and and heavily monetized. So these free ones that are just floating around from us are part of this industrial, scientific, and medical sort of uh, industries. And yeah, basically I, the FCC said, hey, yeah, this is for free. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and there's been times where our industry has been challenged to license some of these frequencies and monetize them. And we've fought back through 
our unions and our industry to to keep that out. Um, you know, who knows? It may not stay that way forever. But for right now, those frequency bands, you know, are are out there unlicensed. Well, yeah, and we get to use them. I mean, yeah, a perfect example is like the 600 megahertz range used to be wireless mics. Now T-Mobile and Sprint or somebody else owns it. Um, so you can't do wireless mics there anymore. Uh, thankfully, you know, technology moves forwards. And at about the same time that was happening, I think it was 2015, 2016, uh, you know, or shortly after digital wireless microphones started coming out, you could cram more into less frequencies. And thankfully, you know, the day was saved. <laughs> but anyway, DMX. Hey, um, okay. Uh, so let's talk about, well, let's go backwards one second. Good rule of thumb is if you're setting up a show, we talked about convenience and wireless. If you've got an effect or if you've got an element in your show that has to happen and you don't have the ability to get one of these really high end systems, if you could put that thing on a wire, put it on a cable. Um, it's just always going to be better and there's going to be way less stress and anxiety on if it's going to happen. Yeah. Just wanted to get out. Especially if, if it's, it's a life support. Yeah. If it's, yeah, yeah. If it's long-term, it's a life, what we call, what I call a life support effect. Like it's got to happen because that's going to cue the other thing. That's going to make the thing or whatever. Um, if it really, really matters, put it on a cable because it's just going to make your heart beat more steady. Um, and avoid all of that. Okay. Now, next, if I want to set myself up for success in a venue, let's talk about some steps to set yourself self up for success regarding placement, interference, testing. You talked about the apps and testing the frequencies of the room. Let's talk about some other ways that we can set ourselves up for success if we're going to go ahead take the wireless plunge yeah like we said apps um you know if you're outside of the 2.4 or the 5 gigahertz and you want to get fancy um, i'm showing on the camera the rf explorer and that is a device that wireless microphone people use all the time to check out frequencies podcast podcast we don't have a camera i barely know how to use the darn thing but it exists <laughs> um, and then really the other thing is just like okay what things really sabotage RF getting to your lights or your, your wireless receivers? Well, if there's like big plates of metal or big metal things like around the fixture um, or, or especially around the transmitting antenna, you know, in that area, you want to get it away from, from large metal things because they just make RF go crazy. Um, other than that, it's really just stay within the distance range that's prescribed find your best frequency and stick with it and get that antenna, you know, somewhat up in the air. Often it doesn't have to be, but if you're starting to have issues, you see lag or a fixture far off or in one corner doesn't quite keep up, you know, try getting that thing up in the air more. Um, that's always going to help the transmitter getting it up in the air. Obviously the receivers often are inside of a fixture. Um, but if they're, a, if they're a receiver that you could extend from a DMX cable, then you can often get the receiver up in the air too, if you're having issues. And uh, line of sight, a lot of people, I've dealt with it multiple times where, you know, they they put it deep in a wall, like deep in like a maze. If it's if it's like a escape room situation or something like that, where it's hidden behind doors and behind walls, if you can get it to line of sight, you're going to be better 
uh, it can travel around, but the more and more barriers you give it, the more and more opportunities you give yourself for failure. Yeah. Um, it's but, possible. Yeah. <laughs> like thicker concrete, stuff like that. It's going to knock down the RF more than a typical drywall wall. You know, it's just kind of how the world works. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, what should we look for? What What am I looking for when I'm looking for a quote unquote reliable system? What are some of the things we mentioned? Uh, Lumen Radio, uh, WDMX. Um, what are some of the things that I can look for in the specs or look for in the manual and the documentation or the brand to give me more peace of mind that what I'm looking at is a reliable system. I mean, really anything name brand is good these days. Um, you can always reach out to us at learnstagelightinggear.com and gear at learnstagelighting.com is the email um, if you need suggestions. But I mean, anything like anything name brand is good these days. It's It's a lot better than it used to be. And if I just see one of those... 2.4, for instance, if I don't see multiples, that's still okay. That still doesn't mean that it's not reliable. It's still That's good. totally fine. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a place where there's so much 2.4 going on, you know, that you can't get another device through, one, it's time to talk to your network IT, whoever, because they probably have a really bad implementation of their network and they're just covering all the frequencies and you can talk to them and get them to give you some space um, if they're competent. Um, um, cause sometimes they'll, they'll literally, I've seen new facilities where you can't run any 2.4 gigahertz, anything, you know, like we're talking thousand dollar, you know, multi-thousand dollar clear comm systems for, for headsets, you know, in this new facility where I did a show once and you know, they didn't work worth squat because all the Wi-Fi access points in the ceiling were all set to the different frequencies and they were, they were just blocking everything. That's also technically kind of illegal. Um, in the U S um, I know there was a hotel locally here that got fined for that, um, by the FCC. So, I mean, if, you know, if, if they can't tell it's intentional, who knows, but regardless, um, 2.4 really can be fine. If you know you're in a space where you need something with some more oomph, then there are definitely options um, or to get into a different frequency space. But for most general use, if you're not in a super busy congested area and you can minimize the distance between antennas, you're going to be fine. If I require all my guests to lock up their cell phones, which happens, it happened to me at Paisley Park. Prince didn't allow cell phones in his house. And even in his death, when you walk onto his property, you can't take your cell phone in. They have a really sophisticated little lockup situation. Um, so if I require all my guests to lock up my cell phone, will I fix all the problems? No. <laughs> no, but but it'll help. I think a lot of people overthink it. And, and the biggest thing is not to. Like, you know, different brands can work together, yes. Uh, you can daisy chain out DMX cable into other fixtures, typically. Um, if it, if the fixture has a receiver into it, do check the manual and make sure that capability is there. It typically is. Um, and you can do multiple universes of wireless DMX either by doing multiple frequencies or finding a system that can do multiple. And you just went through our FAQs. So, so you're on a roll. That's right. Because David's got to run out the door. <laughs> One more question for you. Do all wireless systems also do RDM? No, many of them don't. Um, that's actually more rare. So don't assume. Don't assume. All right. That wraps up our, our, my little questions for wireless DMX here. Thank you so much. Um, if y'all have any questions, be sure to write into us and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. 
Awesome. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Thank you for listening to the What's Happening in Stage Lighting podcast. If you're interested in purchasing any gear, please visit our stage lighting store at learnstagelightinggear.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please listen to our other episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google podcast platforms. Don't forget to grab our free beginner's guide to stage lighting on learnstagelighting.com. Learn Stage Lighting, helping you create great lighting.